Well, last uh, Sunday, we had a town hall meeting Sunday evening, and, and many of you were there, and I, I'm thankful that you were there, that we, we got to share some things, some really important things, some hard things. We didn't talk about programs. We, we didn't talk about buildings or any of that stuff. We talked about what was our heart's long for, what, our, what we're thirsty for, and we shared our individual thirsts, and it, we shared our thirst for this church, and, and, and what we want for this church, and it's really a great thing to share a common thirst. We are going to start grow groups again uh, this, this coming Sunday, we're going to have sign-ups, and simultaneously, it'll be the first Sunday of Grow Groups, and I really hope that you'll consider being a part of one of these, because it's, it's the place where we can have soul talk. You know, that's what we were doing at the town hall meeting, to have a, a soul talk, where we talk about our spiritual walk, where we talk about, like, me and Jesus, you and Jesus, and, and, and we walk together in that, where we have conversation. Um, you know, I, uh, as I say, sign-ups are next Sunday, and I, I sent out a message to all of the, the Grow Group leaders, like, send me a photograph so that we can put it out there so it'll be there on the web and everything, it'll be there in our new communication system, and people did that. Here's what John Kimbrough sent me. And, and, and he told me after first service that he had a person who said, on the strength of that, that they wanted to be part of his group. <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. I, I'm, I'm not sure whether. Well, you know, we can cry together. We can laugh together. Uh, we can share our joy together. And that's what it's about. Well, you know, it's uh, Martin Luther King Day on Monday, it's that weekend, and I, I always think back to his great speeches, and like, what a, what a great orator, and like, what a great voice, he had the voice of an orator too, and, and, and I, I think most of all of his I Have a Dream speech, and, and, and those words, I, I have been to the mountaintop. I have seen the promised land. I have a dream. Maybe the greatest speech ever given by an American, I don't know. But I look at the Sermon on the Mount. I look at Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and, and see the greatest speech that was ever given by a human being on this planet in any language. And I see how Jesus, it's the, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, I see how he literally and figuratively, literally, I shouldn't even say figuratively, I should say spiritually, he takes us to the mountaintop and, and, and he shows us the promised land. Like he, he, he shows us what it's all about. He, he shares his vision and he shares his prayer. And I would like for us to, to stand and pray that prayer.
prayer yet again this Lord's Day. To pray that prayer and lift up this vision. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Be seated. On earth as it is in heaven, that's his vision. That's our vision. And the power of it, like it, it, it amazes me, the power of it. Not, not just Dr. King, but American orators, and not just American orators, orators around the world have mined this book for phrases, have mined this book even for the cadences of the book. And American presidents from the beginning down through, well, at least Reagan, have mined this book. The City on a Hill. The City on a Hill. Remember that speech. Some of you are old enough to remember it. We're getting old if we remember that speech in person. But that was Jesus' speech. You are a city on a hill. Like he, he comes out of the gate saying that. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, the great thing about the great leaders is not just that we want to believe in them, it's that they believe in us. The greatest thing that anybody can give anybody is the gift of belief. And Jesus gets up and he right out of the gate to people that don't know him from Adam. He tells us, you're the city on a hill. You're the light of the world. You're salt. You're blessed. Right out of the gate, he says that. You just want to be willing to die for a guy like that. You, you just want to go into battle for a guy like that. And people did. And people do. Look what he says here. He says you're the light of the world. And, and what does that mean? Well, he, he says explicitly, your good deeds glorify your Father in heaven. You know, I, I marvel. Like it, 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 it's really hard, like as a, as a speaker, like to talk about like the, the intellectual things, you know, the, the, the profound things. 
and, and then to be down to earth. Like, it's really hard. Like, it, it stretches you. It stretches you like a rubber band sometimes. But the marvel of Jesus is he goes right there and he does both instantaneously. And he doesn't wait for you to tell you that you believe in him before he says, I believe in you. You are a city on a hill. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're going to change everything. We're going to change everything. And he comes after us, like not just your head, but your heart and your hands. And he says, you, come. He goes to fishermen who are mending their nets. And man, it's a lot of hard work for a fisherman tending to nets. You've got to clean them and do all sorts of things to them. Otherwise, you won't have nets for very long. And he sees them there with their nets and he says, come fish with me. Come fish with me right now, all hands on my deck. I need your hands right now because we're going to change humanity here. We're going to fish for people. Come on, let's go. And, and the marvel of it is they dropped their nets. Like they dropped them and they went with him because Jesus is so utterly compelling he is utterly compelling. And here we are 2,000 years later, and even when we water it down, it's still powerful. It's still what it's all about. It, it's, it's incredible. Now, notice what he doesn't say. He says, hey, I'd like to invite you all on a retreat. I, I, you know, like Jesus did some retreats, I guess, like usually, very frequently by himself, but... But, but he, he's like, no, I'm, come on. Life's a battle. Let's go. And he says, your good deeds glorify your Father in heaven. You know, words, even beautiful words, can be cheap. Even the best words can be cheap. But with Jesus, it's never cheap. What is Scripture? You know, I have a high view of Scripture. I, I remember... One of the first verses that I learned was uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. I was 13 years old, and it, it was the proof text to tell you, hey, this is the Word of God, and if you think any different, then you're wrong. And I, I remember learning that verse, but here's how it starts. All Scripture is God-breathed. Like, that's pretty much where my brain checked out. That's all I need to convince you, Mr. Atheist, that, um, hey, this book is a special category. Well, maybe I didn't convince you, but if I shout that at you loudly enough, then you're going to believe me. But look where it goes next and is useful. Useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Okay, I, you know... I was only 13, but like I would have done well to have really meditated on that for a while. But, but that's not all. And, and back in the day, I actually memorized these verses, okay? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, so scripture is 
so that we can be equipped to do good works which glorify our Father in heaven, which is what, it's, what life is all about. Well, who am I? You know, I, I, I was born, it was like, some of you will remember the, the pop tune, "'Tis the dawning of the age of Aquarius." I was born in the age of Aquarius. We were never going to get old. We were going to listen to heavy metal music, and the millennium was going to come in, and there were all these quests. I just need to find myself. I just, you know, maybe, maybe if I just... Um, go off and by myself, I'll be able to find myself. But look at what Ephesians, look what Paul says in Ephesians, an exalted book, like a book that like sort of, it, it towers like a mountain top and, and that reaches all the way to heaven. But look at what Paul says in Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are God's handiwork, Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, so I know, I, I think we'll probably all say, I am a piece of work. <laughs> if I say it about myself, you'll probably all go, Amen. If my wife was here in this service, she'd be shouting that out. Yes, you are a piece of work. But did you ever think of yourself as God's handiwork? I love how the, the Passion Translation translates this. We have become his poetry. The word there, in fact, is, is the word for poetry. You know, it's not handicrafts, but poetry. Did you ever think of yourself as God's poem? What a beautiful image. Do you want to be God's poem? Would you like to be God's poem? I think it, it's so beautiful. Well, you know, don't hide it, Jesus says. Well, and we read about Jesus in Acts 10, 37 and 38. Uh, Paul's talking to Cornelius about Jesus, because like all Paul ever wanted to talk about, in any context of any situation was Jesus. Uh, ever since the Damascus Road experience, Paul wouldn't go in much of anywhere else. Uh, and here's what he says to Cornelius, the Roman centurion. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went around, he went around doing good. And healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Well, Jesus didn't hide, did he? I mean, he tells us, get the good works out there. Don't, don't hide. Don't, 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 don't be under a, uh, a bowl. <laughs> like, what kind of idiot puts a candle under a bowl? I mean, it's funny. Like, Jesus is funny, because that is completely absurd. And yet, he tells us not to do it. Well, why does he tell us not to do it? Because if we, he doesn't tell us not to do it, that's exactly what we'll do. Okay, so what constitutes a bowl? Let me tell you a story. Uh, some time ago, uh, 
a, a minister by the name of Chris Valatin, who's a pretty conservative thinking kind of guy when it comes to scripture and, well, and, and politics and, and all sorts of things. He wrote a book, Heavy Rain. And what the book was about was how we transform culture. He was like, okay, what does Jesus' culture look like? What, what is the culture of the kingdom of God uh, that we bring to change the world? And, well, and, and how does it change the world? And, and he had some college students working for him as researchers and interns, and he said, hey, I need you to go out, I need you to do some research for me, some statistics, and I, I, I want you to go and show the correlation between church growth and improvement in society. And, you know, he had about 10 measures, you know, teen pregnancy, homelessness, da-da-da. You could make up the list your, yourself, probably. But he, he said, go out there, and he, he was... Uh, he was thinking, this will be really good because I can show the secular world what a great influence Christian churches are. Boy, was he in for a shock. They found the exact opposite. And, and it was pretty un unambiguous. I, I, I'll just share it in, in his words. Here's what we learned. The cities that had the greatest church-going population had the worst social statistics in our nation. As churches grew in cities, the homeless rate increased, the poverty rate increased, the divorce rate increased. Every negative statistic that they used, 10 categories, grew worse as churches got bigger. Now, I'll bet you the average pastor thinks, boy, if my church got bigger, got to 2,000, my, my city would be changed. I propose your city would be worse off if your church got bigger. Well, like them's hard words. And he preached those very words in front of his church and they, they listened, and, and it's a pretty dynamic church that he's a part of. Then he took a look at his own city, or actually, he says this. We didn't even have to do a statistical study of our city because it came out one month later in the newspaper. The headlines read, Redding, California, one of the worst cities in America to live in. And he says, and at that time, we were 7,000 people in a city of 89,000. We were a perfect example of what we had learned statistically, that the bigger the ch your church gets, the worse your city is. I tell you, it takes guts to go after the truth. You know, it takes guts for a church to, to hear that kind of truth. And, and as Chris reflected on it, here's what he said. He was reflecting on, on this passage. What constitutes a bowl? Church is the biggest bowl 
in the world. We got all the light in here. Isn't it great? We've got light. So many of us in here, we've seen the light. So many of us. And, and, well, in here, the light won't be challenged. It won't be challenged. Like, like, it's safe in here. It's so safe. Don't you want to be safe? Isn't that the first thing out of your mouth in a prayer? Oh, keep me safe. And then what you do, what you do is uh, that having lit your lamp under the bowl, and, and hey, anybody wants to come in under the bowl, please come in. You're welcome to, to come in here under this bowl. Um, well, you're welcome to come. And it'll be safe because we have a huddle effect. We're all safe because we're all huddled together in the bowl. And the light here is safe. And the darkness out there, well, thank God he's coming. Judgment is coming. That world is going to hell in a handbasket. Oh, it's so sad. Oh, Jesus, come soon. And, and, and you just, you get all eschatological. You know, it's like, well, we'll just wait for Judgment Day. But Jesus doesn't want you to wait till Judgment Day. And he doesn't want the light in here. He wants the light out there. And, and you know, like I've got to tell you, safe is thoroughly unsafe. What happens if, if I put a candle under a bowl? Tell me what happens. It goes out. Why does it go out? No air. And that's what happens. You end up like just choking on what you've, what you've got because it, it needs fresh air. Because the light burns brighter. And the light burns brighter in the darkness. And the light burns brighter as, as more are added, more souls are inflamed by not just what we do in here, but what life is all about. Well, how can I be the light of the world? Well, look at what uh, Jesus said, because it's not that simple. Because in chapter 6, he says this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing so that you, your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what in secret, what is done in secret, will reward you. You know, there's so many things that Jesus says that are hilarious. And this is hilarious 
the part about the left hand and the right hand. And because it's a familiar figure of speech in the English language, we don't realize how funny it was when he coined the expression. But like, this is serious schizophrenia. I mean, if, if my left hand doesn't know what my right hand is doing, that, like that is really crazy time. It's, it's Looney Tunes, you know? Like I write a check and you know, it's like, what did you just do, Ross? I, do, I don't know. I don't know, that was, was my right hand. It was, did it do something? There's kind of a self-forgetfulness in all this. But, but here's the thing. In one chapter, he says, don't hide it. Get it out there. And then in the very next chapter, he's saying, hide. I mean, he, he, he says, hide your good deeds. He says, like, when you, when you fast... Don't let anybody know. Go off into your closet and, and, and do it. And you're going, okay, Jesus, which one? Which one? It, this is hard to do. It's hard to do both. And it is. Like, like to, to do what needs to be done without your own ego being invested in it, it it's hard to do. I mean, let's just, let's just say it. I'm, I'm not going to take that and say, like, that is easy. But I, I love what Donald Miller says about that. And I think that this is helpful for me. Donald Miller says, every great story always has four characters. A villain, a victim, a guide, and a hero. Dot, dot, dot. Don't think you're the hero. Like, get out there and, and do it, but don't make yourself the hero. And, like, Jesus was so amazing at this. Like, somebody comes up to him and, and, and says, Oh, good teacher. And he says, Oh, don't call me good. I'm our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven is good. And, and, and he, he does... Powerful miracles. And he, and he says, no, 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 no. It's not me. It's the power of the one who sent me. That's where, the, that's where this is coming from. Like Jesus was our perfect example on how not to hide it under a bushel and how not to be blowing a trumpet. Focus the spotlight on God. Keep your spotlight focused on him. And here's another thing. Light. You know, when, you, when you buy a light bulb and you put it in, do you sit staring at your light bulb? I just bought a light bulb. I've just, oh, gosh. Man, got blinded up there. Now, light isn't to draw attention to itself. Light draws attention to everything else. Light is real. Like in the light, you see everything. Without the light, you see nothing. And, 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 and that's like what we're supposed to be. You know, I, I didn't even see that, that light until I turned and stared at it and got my retinas burned out. Um, it's what the, what the light is doing. And, and that's, that's Jesus' focus. So here's the deal. What a I just, I'm looking at you, my little rays of sunshine, 
and I'm thinking little rays of sunshine, how can you be light this week? And man, you can be it like so many places. I, I had the most interesting experience. You, you, you know, I've made no secret that I am a devotee of Starbucks. And and it's not just that I love the cup, and it's not even the the coffee, it's the people. And and I I love the the Starbucks baristas. If you don't know any of the the baristas down there on the loop, you really should. But but, but one of them, um, Logan is his name, like, I talked to him, so, it, I mean, just good conversation. But, but just after New Year's, he comes up, uh, he's off duty and sits down and says, hey, you want to talk? And I'm like, yeah, sure, let's talk. And, and we just have this great conversation about where his life is going and, 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 and all of that. And, and he tells me a story. He says, um, he says, you know, he said, I was working at the drive-through last week. He said, and a woman came through and like her mascara had run and, and she, she looked like, oh, I'm in such pain. He said, and I, I asked her, I said, ma'am, you okay? You look really sad. Uh, what is it? And, and she said, oh, my dog died yesterday. And he said, and I said, hey, you want to talk? I have a dog. I, I know what that's like. Um, I'll take my apron off and, and, and we, we can sit and, and, and talk. And, and she said, oh, thank you. That, that's so sweet, but no. And, and I, I said to him, I was like, wow. And he said to me, and this is the takeaway from the story, he said, it's in my job description. It's in my Starbucks job description that that's what we do. Like that you just drop the coffee, tear off your apron, and go talk to a customer who needs a shoulder to cry on. If you do that, you're fulfilling your mission at Starbucks. Now that's Starbucks. What about us? What about us? Surely that's the mission. That's the mission. And, and you never know who the Holy Spirit is going to have going through your drive through window this week. But, and he sends people all the time. He sends people all the time. But, like, but you have to be kind of walking in that. You know, like you, you, you don't force that. Like you've got to be, like, this is the reality here. And, and, and here's the thing. That person that crosses your path, they were sent for you, not for me. There are people in this world that can be blessed only by your light in the way that your light can do it. Okay, you're, you're a father. Okay, your child can only know what the love of a Christian father is through you. Nobody else can do that, but you can. You're unique. 
You're, you're a, a, a husband. For your wife, you are the only person in the world that can show them what a Christian husband, how a Christian husband loves their wife. And, and like not in a knowing that kind of way, but I'm talking a knowing of way. You're the only person that can do that. You're a child, but you're also a child of God, and, and you've got parents. The only way that they can know the love of a child who is like Mary's child is if you do it. And, and there are people in your world all the time, in my world, all the time, like the dark places, like, like is, where you work, is it dark? Does it have a dark side? Is there a toxic side to the environment that you're in? Well, guess what? You're the light. Like, like you need to go in there thinking, I am going to be the light in this dark place. You know, you got somebody that you'd like to kill. Well, Jesus says, love your enemies. Like, like, no brownie points for loving people who love you. What separates the men from the boys and the, the women from the girls is that you can love people that mean you harm. Go in and do it. What a different world where the light shines. What a different world where we say, okay, in my corner of the world, this is kingdom of heaven territory. This is it. My, my, my seat in Starbucks. My cubicle at work. And don't hide. Don't hide. Do you need prayers this morning? We have access to the most powerful force in all the universe, the Spirit of God and the love of Christ. We'll pray with you. An elder and wife will pray with you. I'll pray with you. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus Christ in baptism this morning and to have your darkness filled with light, to have your sins washed away and to receive his Holy Spirit. We offer that to you while we stand and sing.